Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. godly people who love the Lord Jesus Christ and fear the Lord, who honor his word and are fruitful and live by faith and take steps of faith and believe in the miraculous and speak the miraculous and are the miraculous. That's who you want to hang out with. Eternal people, not people whose favorite color is gold in heaven, not bronze on earth. People whose lives reflect the kingdom and the coming of the, of the Lord and the glory of the Lord and the setting their mind on the things above. Those are the people we want more than three minutes with. But people who are bronze, 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 they wake up and think bronze, live bronze, and, and trade bronze. Just three minutes. Yeah, the marine layer is pretty tough this year. That's it. Don't let them shape your life. Surround yourself in the multitude of godly people. And that was his first big mistake for lost opportunity. He, lost, he didn't see his need to be poured into by people who knew more than him. He just had it all figured out. So that's a good one to learn from. The second one is it says in chapter 12, it said this of him, that he forsook the law of the Lord. Chapter 12, verse 1. So what happened was he, he was going to, the, the, the northern kingdom rejected him as king. And he sent the tax collector, they killed him. And then he's ready to go to war with 100,000 soldiers. God sends him a prophet and says, don't do that because this is of me. So he wisely heeds that counsel and doesn't go to war. There are moments of Rehoboam. You go like, what a, man, what a hard thing to understand. He's paradoxical in some ways, actually, an enigma. So he doesn't go to war. He says, okay, we're we're two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. So I'm going to strengthen all the cities in Judah and Benjamin. So he strengthened. What he did is he still had that afterglow of wisdom from his dad. So he strengthens all these cities. Uh, strengthens them militarily, gives them the weapons they need, the food they need, the storehouses. He fortifies what is his. So it's a huge retraction, but what it retracted to, he made it strong. That's what he did. And then eventually, in the north, Jeroboam, who was his adversary, he persecuted all the true believers. So from the ten tribes, anyone that wanted to serve the Lord came to Jerusalem and to the south, as did all the Levites and the priests. So it's not a point in the text tonight, but he fumbled the golden opportunity because God bought him all the godly people. Anyone that wanted to serve the Lord left the northern tribes and came and joined him. So not only did he not listen to the counsel of the godly leaders, but he, God brought him great people, the kind of people you want to hire and work with and partner with in the journey of life, spiritually and economically. And they came to him. He was a haven for them. And for three years, they all walked in the ways of the Lord while Jeroboam was up in the north building altars to golden cows and expelling the people that would want to walk with the Lord. So as bad as it was with Rehoboam in the south, it was worse with Jeroboam in the north who inherited those 10 tribes, the former ambitious worker for Solomon. Solomon made Jeroboam extremely powerful, Rehoboam's adversary. And that was the irony of God's chastening on Solomon's house after he was gone, that the one he let rise up with ambition is the one who was at war with his son after he was gone. Jeroboam. So, Solomon had consolidated these things and he did all this good stuff and smart stuff. 
political, power, money stuff. Then it says in verse 1 of chapter 12 that it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with him. Oh, man. So all, he became a haven for refugees, godly refugees. And for three years, it's going good. But he strengthens these cities and fortifies them and gets full of himself. It's as in his mind, it's like, I did this. He's like Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, I did all this. You know, he's like that. He's like, it says, look at the context of chapter 12, verse 1. For the man who, of lost opportunity, he rejected good counsel. And then it says here, when he had established the kingdom and strengthened himself. So when it was his strength, the arm of flesh, the pride of life, when he had strengthened himself, he'd given all the men that he had under his thumb, wine and women and power. He's a true politician, such a human politician. And then he had strengthened himself and he's got his piece of planet Earth. He's got like all of Orange County. Maybe a little more than that. Throw in some Riverside County, Chino Hills as well. Like the territory he had was pretty good size. He might not have the North, but he's got all of this and all of its resources. And it was when he was strengthened that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. See, it's enough that he did it himself, but when you read the text, you realize he stumbled others when he did it. That's what's disheartening. And it reminds us that we have that capacity within ourselves as well to do the same thing. Now, the chain reaction of being confident in ourselves is to not be confident in the Lord. The chain reaction of being prideful is to not depend upon the Lord. And one of the dangers of being smart politically and smart economically and having that kind of power that money will, will bring you in this sense is to trust in your strength and not see the Lord who gave it to you. And this was his big mistake. He forsook the law of the Lord. Now, the law of the Lord, of course, is the law that God gave Israel in the Old Testament. The law We call it the law of Moses, right? It's the Ten Commandments, the moral law. It's the civil law, how they were to be governed as a people, kidnappings, murders, ransoms, stealing, lying, cheating, small claims court and full superior court and Santa Ana type of law, civic law, how people get along and live together and function together. Then religious law, which is the priesthood. So, right, it's the religious holidays and all that went with it, the burnt offerings, the trespass offerings, the sin offerings, tabernacles, Passover, Pentecost. So the law of God, bear with me here, stay with me, is important, is the moral law, the Ten Commandments for each individual, the civil law for a society the size of Orange County, and the religious law with the temple there and the gold shields and the bronze altar for offerings on how we're going to worship the Lord. So even though the kingdom had retracted, he still had what he needed to be fruitful and diligent and faithful and, and fulfill his purposes in life. But herein, five years into it, when he, with the intelligence that he received from his high education, he's like one of those higher education people, he knows enough from what he learned from his dad and being educated by those guys how to do business this way, how to bribe, how to do this, and how to trust in yourself. And that's what he did. Because in the previous chapter, it said that in those cities, he made them very strong and fortified them. 
So as he established his kingdom, as he strengthened himself, he was quite certain he could withstand any attacks from Jeroboam in the north, any attacks from Pharaoh in the south, any attacks from Syria in the north, or Edom uh, in the south to the southeast, or Moab and Amnon directly to the east. After all, David, remember, David conquered everybody. Then Solomon had him in check as he expanded militarily. Rehoboam grew up in a time of peace with no war. But by the time he's in the heart of his reign, there's war. There's civil war. But he was confident five years into it with these things. Now, when it's, he forsook the law, and this is the great danger. I was, I was thinking about this. The law, of course, represents the word of God in general for all of us. But the law was very deliberate and intentional for them. And by the way, we know that in the law of the Lord, there's salvation. So we don't get saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. And they really, as the New Testament says, they're a teacher, a private tutor to explain to us that we need to be saved through faith in Jesus and what he's done for us, that we're not going to be good enough to ever get to heaven. Yet God gave Israel the law in this covenant to convert the soul. Somehow, as they would hear the Ten Commandments read, or the Torah it's called, and they studied the Old Testament, they would say, you know, Abraham was the father of faith. Isaac sowed in the famine by faith, and Jacob lived by faith, and Joseph, by faith, fulfilled the things of the Lord. He, you know, blessed the kids, you know, like all that we read about the faith of those people prior to Moses, and even the faith of Moses, by faith, his parents put him in the Nile River, right in the basket. By faith, Moses forsook the riches of Egypt to esteem the persecution by being identified with the Jews, which is called the reproaches of Christ in the context of his life. So the law of God was there to save Rehoboam from himself, to save his soul, to stir up faith, and help him make really good decisions as a king. But he forsook the law. And you know, the law of God is perfect. It'll never change. In this universe, in eternity, in time, space, and matter, though we're not saved by the law of God, never judge the law of God. Always let it judge you. See, in our modern generation, where all these people have things they don't like about God's law, they attack God's law, and they try to make God seem unreasonable. Like he said, you can't eat shrimp, so do we put that with that? You can't have a same-sex marriage or whatever. See, they take things, and they twist the word to their own destruction. God forbid that anyone under my watch as a pastor would deny the law of the Lord as a final authority of truth in all things pertaining to this universe. You make a big mistake to cut even one sentence out of God's law and how it pertains to the human experience. Now, we're told to rightly divide the word of truth, so you want to understand God's law as it is given to us. And we do realize that the dietary law did pass, and that's very clearly interpreted for us in the New Testament. And we also know that as we read the New Testament, it sheds light on the law. Jesus taught the Ten Commandments on the Sermon on the Mount and explained to us what they really mean because it's in the heart and the internal, not the external. But he also taught us that we have to be saved through faith in him. That's why we keep going through, that's why we're just reading through the Bible. That's why Pastor Chuck read through the Bible. Because it's the whole counsel of God. Paul the Apostle references the law of God time and time and time and time again and gives New Testament insight on it and New Testament application. When a person rejects the law of God and rejects the Bible as a whole within which the law is contained, We go against the science of the universe, the science that shapes our morality or lack thereof, the science of the soul. And when someone like Rehoboam rejects the law of God, they might as well reject gravity. 
Because gravity is a physical law that we all know. If we reject gravity and go jump off the Logos building saying, I reject gravity, it will not rule over me, you will fall from the seventh floor and you will find out that gravity always wins. Well, the same is true with God's law. Jesus said that not one jot or tittle will be done until all is fulfilled and complete. No. He fulfilled the law, but he's exalted his word even above his name. Rehoboam took the compass that God gave him to lead his life, and he threw it away. And in so doing, he threw away all the potential what his life could be. He rejected gravity for his life. He rejected his equilibrium. He rejected the thing that God gave him to guide him to make good decisions as a human being and to, be, to have his soul saved, to live a meaningful life, to be blessed of the Lord, to be the head, not the tail, and have all the blessings. He rejected it when he was full of himself. So the lesson to us is don't be full of ourselves and definitely do not reject the word of God. All scripture is given to us by God that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It corrects us, it reproves us that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. WG, you know this already, but this is our compass. This will always steer us in the right way. And in the testimony of 35 years of pastoral ministry, I can tell you, all the decisions I would regret are related to not obeying the word of God or be willing to apply it. Because there's difficult things with the word of God, right? I talked about that with Job last week, talking about Job. I used to read the book of Job in two days. I just don't like those 42 chapters. I don't like them. I don't like them at all. Like green eggs and ham, Sam, I am. They're hard to read. I don't want to bring that on my life. Do you want to bring it on yours? I mean, I'm at Job. I'm like, we'll just keep driving. But now, as I mentioned the other night, when I'm older, I don't mind reading the book of Job for two and a half weeks and to think about it because it's all there for a reason. Job's friends going on and on and on. I'm like, well, yeah, and the Lord's like, yeah, so don't go on and on and on about nothing. Don't think you're a know-it-all, especially with people that are suffering, right? It's all there. So let it mold us and shape us, all of it, the difficult parts, the parts that we find perplexing or, or hard to grasp. Just receive it, like Billy Graham. That's how Billy Graham found his power in ministry. He received the word of God, all of it. And he literally said to the Lord, I, there's parts I don't get, I don't think I'll ever get, but I believe it all, and I'm going to preach it all from here to eternity. And isn't that awesome that he did? For you and I to finish strong this journey of life and to fulfill our opportunities and not have to be lost opportunities, we need to hold fast to the word of God in all situations. His doom really, well, he rejected good counsel, but he forsook the law, and that was it. What good can come from, first, from forsaking the law of God? Only evil. Because you're going against gravity. Spiritual and moral gravity. Now, the final thing we get is he, in the last chapter, chapter 12, after the part about the gold shields and the bronze shields, it says in verse 14 that he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. So this is the hat trick here, you know, hat trick being three things put together. So he rejected good counsel, he forsook the law of God, and he did not, he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord, the Lord is God. So rejected good counsel. He can do it on his own. He forsook the standard, the compass to guide his life. And then he, he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Now, this is interesting because you think like the, 
you know, councils, you think of councils being intelligence, making good decisions. But here it's about, this, this phrase actually has a couple elements to it. It holds him accountable that he did not prepare himself. Okay, so he didn't prepare his heart. Let's think about this. He didn't prepare his heart. He did not prepare his heart, who he is. He didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Of course, Jesus told us to seek, knock, and ask, to go after those things. We know he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to us. Seeking of the Lord is, of course, throughout the Bible, the supreme thing to do every day. Since we're made by Christ and for Christ and in him we consist, it stands the reason that every day of life is a gift of life from the Lord. And we should be watching and ready for the day of the Lord every day. The day belongs to the Lord. Our time is in his hands, our seasons and times. The day is fashioned for us before we yet existed. There's a literally like a count on the days that each of us gets. Like we know how many days are behind us, but we don't know how many days are in front of us, but the Lord does. Like right now, I can almost see like, a, like little numbers over each of you, and you can see it over my head. How many days does Pastor Joy have left on planet Earth? Do you see one column or two columns? Do you give me three? Do you give me at least 100 days? How about four columns, more than 1,000? How about five columns? Hey, it's over my head and it's over yours. Don't make the dash between your birthday and the ending date lost opportunity. That's what we're learning from Rehoboam tonight. Make it fulfilled opportunity to the fullest. Some of you feel really good about how you're living your life. Maybe some of you not so much. We need to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the, Lord, the Lord is first and foremost. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the first and great commandment. And you shall love your neighbors yourself. The second one, because we prove our love for the Lord by vertically by our ability to love people horizontally. And if we get it vertically, then we get, in we get strengthened and empowered by him to be able to do it horizontally because that's the challenging part, right? I wanted to serve the Lord in ministry. God, I want to serve you. And I became a pastor. And after a year of serving people, I'm like, hey, I'm quitting. I'm putting in for a transfer. I thought I was serving you, not people who don't appreciate what I do for them. And I was like, what do you think ministry was? This, in losing your life, you'll find it. This is where you'll find your life. Serving, forgiving, growing, and going forward. So if we take the lesson that he didn't, he didn't make time. See, Rehoboam had things to do, places to go, people to bribe. He had all this stuff going on. He didn't make time to seek the Lord. Now, Daniel, who prospered in Babylon and is as economically successful as anyone who's ever been in the Old Testament, I mean, all that power, he didn't even care, though, right? They give him the gold chains, like, whatever, dude, keep it. You're, you're done tonight, you know? He made time three times a day to seek the Lord. He kept his heart, like he just, three times a day, he sought the Lord early in the morning. Oh, Lord, just make sure I'm right on this one. Like, check my heart. Like, I, help me deal with this thing. These guys coming against me and the threats and this and that. Like, he, he, you know, when you seek the Lord, you're, you're, you're inviting him to, like David said in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and try me and see if there'll be any evil way in me. You're in seeking the Lord and preparing our hearts to be at the Lord. We're like, Lord, correct me. And as I said last week about humility, as humbling as it is to be corrected by the Lord, it's way more humbling to be corrected publicly by your friends. And even worse, by your enemies. Because your friends will say what you want here, but your enemies will say what you 
don't want here, but it's probably more true in many cases, especially when it comes to reproof and correction. Just a reminder in this text that he didn't make time to prepare himself to seek the Lord. He did not make time to seek the Lord. It's a good reminder in our busyness, because there's always things to do. I've got things I want to do. I've got big eight, mid eight, and evening 10. I've got 26 things I do every day that just have nothing to do with my things of the day, other than just things I'm doing consistently in my life. My time with the Lord, prayer time, this thing, that thing, dogs, medicine. You know, like we all have a list. Stretching, hydrating, focusing, meditating, clear my mind what the day's all about. Listen, man, I got things to do too. We all got things to do. Before I go to bed, hey, I always, you know, the next day, 6 to 10, 10 to 2, 2 to 6, 6 to 10, there it is. The big three, boom, 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 boom. B's, boom, boom, boom. A's, B's, C's, D's, whatever. I'll probably never get to it, but nonetheless, if I'm effective today, we'll, we'll hit these things, right? We all have things to do. There's nothing more important to do than let Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and the one who holds our breath in his hands, establish our day. And there's nothing more important to do than to prepare our hearts to be with the Lord. You don't want to fill your mind with things contrary to the Lord or distracting from the Lord before you spend time with the Lord. It's been proven that everything that pulls you off a project dissipates your energy and your ability to fulfill that project. In other words, if you get distracted by this social media or this thing or that thing, you're trying to do your morning devotion, each time you're pulled away, you're losing strength, you're dissipating, you're, you're bleeding out, if you will, the energy and the ability to focus on what you're doing. That's why it's so important when you're writing a book that you get to it in the morning and you don't look at the text from Timmy. You don't look at this call that came in. You're focused because each time you're pulled away, you lose the creativity of that time. It dissipates your energy. And I don't have much left. And neither do you. We want to be more efficient with our time and energy. And when you chase your tail around like this, like you just, you're just going in circles. So you spend time with the Lord and you know what really matters and you know what the main things are and you don't get pulled out of your lane or off your game. That's what happens. And you stay focused. Because we all know this. This distraction, then that distraction. That's, and you just lose it. So you keep the Lord first. You prepare your heart every morning to be with the Lord. And you keep him first. And then you got to keep him first. You, it's, it's, a, it's a loving relationship. I love my wife very much. And I don't spend time with my wife because Jennifer says, you better spend time with me. Like, I want to spend time with her. She's hot. In the morning, she's there on that couch. And we look at each other I'm like, you know, she's like, <laughs> I love my wife. That's, I, I, she's always A on my list, right? We're going to walk with Jennifer. We're going to ride the e-bikes with Jennifer. We're going to go shopping with Jennifer. I don't need, that's, how we want, that's how the Lord would have us to be. That we, I want to be at the Lord. I'm excited to see what he wants to do today. I want to prepare my heart and get after what he has for me. But in so doing, I don't want to be distracted by the doing, but more be focused on the becoming. Because again, it isn't so much about what we do in this life. It's about who we become when we're doing it as unto the Lord. In fulfilling his purposes as author and finisher of faith, we become the person we're meant to be like Christ. That's the, the real prize isn't what we've accomplished. It's who we became as we prepared our hearts, spent time with the Lord, and let him do that good work and will that he has in our life. That's the real prize. The real prize is the day of the Lord knowing that you let him construct you 
the remodel, the rebuild, <laughs> you know, you just let it, yeah, that's, that's the prize. Rehoboam didn't let that happen. The real prize of life is to delight yourself in the law of the Lord and let him direct our steps. The real prize of life is to trust not in our own understanding, but to seek the Lord and let him guide everything for us. To prepare our heart to be with the Lord and to want to be with the Lord and to want to serve the Lord and do it because we, we really want to. It was never in Rehoboam. It's like the Gatorade commercial that in you. It was never in him. I hope it's in you. Because there's transformation in preparing our heart and prioritizing the Lord. He had gold shields that became bronze. He had no choice in getting two tribes. That was predetermined. But he poisoned his two tribes. He poisoned them. He had 17 years. And what he left behind was far more chaos than what he inherited. It was truly lost opportunity. So it's a good reminder to us to fulfill all of our opportunities as unto the Lord. Yes, and amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.